Welcome to the On It Podcast. I'm your host, Kyle Kingsbury. Today, I'm joined by a very special guest and friend of mine, Aaron Alexander. Aaron is the host of the Align Podcast, and Align Therapy is his website where he focuses on body work and functional movement. I've learned a lot from this guy. He's fucking weird, and I mean that in the best way possible. Uh, before he moved from Oregon down to SoCal, he stayed at my house in Northern California for a couple nights and really got to know this guy well. Uh, he has a wealth of knowledge. He's fixed a lot with my body from postural correctness, how to stand, how to walk better, and just what it means to express yourself physically and what that does to the mind. There's a lot we dive into in this episode. Hope you guys enjoy it. Check it out. My dude, Aaron Alexander. My man. We're down. Where are we at? We're in Santa Monica right now? We are on Franklin and Santa Monica Boulevard right now here in Santa Monica, about 32 blocks from the beach. Very nice. And uh, how long have you been here now? Has you moved down here from Bend? Yeah, I moved from Bend, I think, eight months ago now or so. I've been staying six months for like the last five months, so I'm confused at this point. <laughs> I'm going to say eight months. Eight months sounds good. That's a yeah. good number. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's, it's incredible here. My, um, a guy I've known since I was 12 years old in the Bay Area, he, uh, we went to college together at ASU. We were roommates there. Had a blast. You got to meet him on New Year's. Mm. And he moved out to L.A. shortly after graduating at ASU. And so anytime I wanted to get out of town but didn't want to drive all the way back to the Bay, I'd just stop in L.A. and hang with him for a few days. And he was, he's lived in, you know, off Wilshire and Veteran and uh, in Santa Monica, Culver City. Now he's got a house in Inglewood next to um, – Inglewood always up to no good. Exactly. Next to, Every uh, time I hear that, <laughs> I have to say that in my head. It's that's like, right. It's ingrained. It's ingrained in me. Yeah, but um, he's, um, yeah. I guess it's it's coming up because they're going to build a stadium out there. So they, he's saying that there's lots of new restaurants. They yeah. have a tram that's going right through town. I just went to see J Cole up in Englewood. Okay, a few days ago. Are you from there, J Cole? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dude, I, I when I, I first started dating Natasha, that uh, like his his hit jam. Uh, I forget what the name of it is. It's deja vu. Was no, it, the, it was when before that. Neighbor, the neighbor one where they're, where they're called the cops? Neighbors called? I don't know what it's called. I think it's called Neighbors, actually. Oh, man. Classics. No, it's way like back. Every it's like one five of years ago. Classics. I'm blown away by him. I get turned on to this music that, to me, I'm like, I'll find what I think is like the new hot stuff. And it's been like, it's just like dude, that's been, that's been the shit for like the last seven years. Like, <laughs> I'm like, no, but J. Cole, seriously, you got to check it out. <laughs> so that was that. Yeah, we were rocking that like um, when I first started going out to Vegas to see her before we moved in together and uh yeah we, i remember her having she we both had it on the ipod and i was like oh okay yeah this will this will work yeah he's got soul man mm -hmm. it's amazing to see he uh he's a preacher you know is so, he oh yeah well not literally but literally i mean i figuratively and i think you could probably call it literal he uh the show i mean there's something like fifteen thousand. i don't know how many people the forum holds a lot of people and to the point that when they scream for him i had to hold my ears like i'm like an old man it's very it's it's, it's really silly but i'm like holding my ears i'm like oh god every time he does a new song and it's just him in the middle of this whole entire stadium and oh all the energy pouring down on him i find those experiences almost as much or more fascinating to turn around and look at the crowd you know, oh, yeah. just, and yeah. it's just seeing all that attention going into one place and really feeling the energy of that place. Even if the music is garbage, just having all of that concentration of intention in one little point, you know, that's like Mecca. That's like, the, you know, the, the value of Mecca. People come from all around the world and bring their intention to that one little spot, you know, it charges it up. Yeah. What's the place in uh, France? People Oof. go to drink the water. Um, Man, I don't know. Lose, lose. The Louvre? The, no, not the Louvre. Oh. Damn it. I don't know. The Louvre's pretty nice, too, though. No. Have you been out there? Is, yeah, yeah. We went to... I was on a tour for the troops in 2010, and uh, like a Goodwill military tour with uh, some UFC guys, and um, we were out there like doing uh, autographs, teaching them jujitsu, hand-to-hand combat, that kind of stuff, and... Um, this volcano went off. Remember that? The volcano went off in Europe. Mm -hmm. I think, I, I don't know if it was in uh, Sweden or Switzerland, but um, basically it grounded all airplanes for like an extra three days. Mm. So we had like this dope tour bus and uh, our guy, Mike from Germany, he had driven for the military for like 40 years. So he had taken everyone from the Rolling Stones to Toby Keith on this bus. 
and it was sick. Like we lived like rock stars for about a week. And, um, so we have this bus and, uh, we get, you know, all the planes are grounded and they're like, Hey, you know what? Why don't we go to the U S embassy in Paris and we'll say hi to everybody there. So we went in there and, you know, you go from on base where you have like diehard UFC fans and guys that are into training and, and just, there's a lot to offer them. You know, they, they really give a fuck that you're there and, and that's reciprocated from us. Like you can feel it, it's palpable. And so we really enjoy that. And then we get to the embassy and it's, you know, a bunch of old ladies that are, you know, doing office jobs. And um, I remember one person was just kind of shaking her head while she was listening to us, this older woman. And she looked at Chris Lieben and she's like, you know, it's ruining your brain, right? Mm. Getting hit in the head. And we all looked at each other and just died laughing. And it was like, well, yeah, there's, there's that too. But um, it's kind of not what we're doing it for. Yeah. But, um, yeah, we get to go out in Paris. I gained probably... I knew I was gluten intolerant at the time, but I was still throwing caution to the wind. And so, and of course, you know, being uh, younger and the male bravado of being around other fighters, I was like, let's eat a crepe every time we pass a crepe stand. And I fucking gained 10 pounds in the three days we were in Paris. Yeah, what do you think of the whole, like, French paradox thing? You're going there, it's like Man, you're eating baguettes and just butter all yeah. day. Like, we're pretty good. I think there there might be less stress. A lot of them eat very light breakfasts, so that idea of maybe not intermittent fasting per se, but something really light a little bit, and for sure less, you know, less overall meat consumption. Um, I just read The Plant Paradox, and he, he talked a little bit about that, Dr. Gundry. I don't know if you've checked it out. It's a yeah, ph- phenomenal book. Phenomenal book. And um, he brings up that too, but, you know, this this idea also that, the European Union does not allow half the toxins that our good government does on our behalf. You know, like, oh, hey, chemical companies, you give us enough money, we'll say sure to anything. And um, uh, you were telling me when we were hanging out in California how, uh, you know, it's like the one in Rome protocol. So when you were in Europe, you (laughs) just ate bread the whole time. Dude, I was going after it. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's, have you ever heard of that that Harvard study? It was like 75 years. It's still happening right now. And it was, they, they, measured folks as like babies they took a group of something like 100 people i'm making the 100 people part up but you know some amount of people and uh they followed those people their whole entire lives you know so now they're in like i think their 80s and uh, what they found with that is the people that were the healthiest were the people that had the strongest social connections so having oh, that, yeah. that, that purpose in your community having people that are dependent on you having friends that you could always reach out to you know, so I think that that's something that when we think of like the French paradox or whatever, I think that a big component of that is looking at just smaller communities that actually have integration. You know, it's that integration component, I think. And that's, yeah, know, it gives me, your life purpose, right? That's the you, jam. You feel connected. You feel like you belong to something that's bigger than yourself rather than just, you yeah. know, your Facebook friends. Yeah. I was listening to Rogan. He had a Sebastian Younger on who oh, wrote yeah. Tribe. I listened to that conversation Phenomenal, twice. Phenomenal, dude. Yeah, really Phenomenal. Good. Yeah, I absolutely loved that. That idea of, you know, either living in a cul-de-sac or maybe a poorer neighborhood where everyone kind of bands together and everyone knows everybody and you can kind of shift it. We're never going to live in a tribe of 150 people and know everyone's name intimately and it's just not going to happen again, you know? So this idea, like, how do we shift back into that? I think the thing that, um, that was really great advice from him was like, when you join a team or you go to, um, a club like CrossFit, like you look at how CrossFit's blown up or you look at, um, martial arts, yoga, things like that, where you can be a part of a small knit group where you do learn people's names and you have a sense of community in that. It can give you a piece of that. I think that's big. I think that's really big. Yeah, you How, don't get that in big gyms. How's your community in Vegas? It's good. It's actually um, it's better than I thought it would be, because um, you know at first I was like, shit, man, you know I'm not going to know anybody. It's all good. I'll make friends, that kind of thing. But um, my good friend Neo Noad Lahat, he's an Israeli army guy who fought in the UFC, he fights in Bellator now. He had a boy two days after Bear, so they're super close in age. They had a joint two-year two birthday party, cool. and uh, I love him and his wife and their son. They're awesome. Um, I was telling you about Mount Charleston. We don't live far from there, so we were up at 8,000 feet, and both the boys are running around going crazy. The dogs are running around. Uh, Neo went for a run. I brought the kettlebell, started doing some halos and windmills and, and snatches and things like that, and yeah. it's just it's beautiful, but um, 
I got another good friend too, Tom Lawler, that I was on Ultimate Fighter with, and uh, he's got two kids, and they're they're phenomenal. But he lives kind of on the other side of town, out in Henderson. So we see we see each other on the mats when we can. And yeah, I feel like the whole concept, you know, so 150. That's like the Dunbar's number. You know, you're familiar with mm -hmm. that, and that's mm -hmm. like the the amount of. I believe the Dunbar number is is derived from the uh, the amount of primates that can take care of each other and, and be able to like uh, what's that term called when you're when you're like picking each other's hairs and all that grooming stuff? yeah grooming each other like that's like once you get beyond that point it's like okay this is just getting weird like we can't keep track of each other you know I think that you know, that's such an important part is to really have a close knit group of people but then the big component that we miss out with the whole like tribal existence is we miss out on well, these people are living barefoot, you know, and they're waking up and they're getting, you know, that all the all the infrared and the UV light from you know the morning sun, and they're, you know, they're with the circadian rhythms and they're and they're yeah, playing they're with the rhythm of the earth trees, and and we're like, okay, well, that's just too daunting. I can't even like that's ridiculous. I don't live in the jungle, you know. We were just we did a little walk around here with with uh, with you and your your peeps, your family, and. Uh, you know, we're all, you know, either barefoot or wearing like, you know, five finger shoes and, you know, climbing trees and shirts off or tank tops or whatever. And it's like, dude, this is it. We're doing it. You know, it's, it's not, it doesn't need to be this like, well, I need to be in Peru. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's yeah. like, dude, you can just be in your neighborhood and just be barefoot more often and like take your clothes off a little bit. You know, like maybe keep your pants on depending upon what kind of neighbors you have. Uh, that's a, that's a tough sell for my son. But yeah. He's, he's <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> I agree with everything but the pants Yo, part. Off, <laughs> off, pants off. Pants off. Like, no, buddy. <laughs> Daddy's got his shorts on. We got to keep the shorts on. Then we're cool. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think a, another excuse, well, <laughs> I shouldn't say excuse. Another thing that people say when they, when they say that it's unattainable is this idea that it's too hot or it's too cold. You know, like, oh, I would be real easy if I lived in Santa Monica, but I live in Minnesota or I live, you know, wherever, you know, in, in Vegas and it's summertime. And I was telling you about how um, I've been going out in the heat with sweats on and my sauna suit to try to expose myself to the heat and really, you know, get some, get some heat shock proteins going in the body and just get a good sweat in and do some nasal breathing and work aerobically and just kind of have it be like a meditative practice. And it's awesome. You know, I can kill two birds with one stone. We'll go out as the sun's setting. It's still 105 degrees. I got the little dog guapo running around, bears running around with barefoot, no shirt, you know. And it's, uh, it's just, it's doable if you just do it, you know. Like the first couple of days were really rough. Like I thought I was going to pass out from heat exhaustion and then decided to be a good idea to bring like a half a gallon of water with me. But um, past that, like, you know, obviously we see... All these people talking about between Dr. Rhonda Patrick and Wim Hof and all the scientists coming out, like how important it is to expose yourself to the elements. Yeah, it's just adaptation. Yeah. You know, we just need, we need adaptation. And, and that adaptation is discomfort. We need discomfort, you know, and then it comes into like, you know, stoic philosophy or, you know, you can, it's, <laughs> like, it's like, it's all about, it's not about the situation, you know, it's about your perspective upon the situation. Mm -hmm. You know, and so it's like, dude, Santa Monica's hot. Like, I don't, you know, people are talking, it's like, oh, it's a, you could complain just as well as you could be grateful for it. You know, and so I'll be cruising around, like, even on the way over here, you know, I driving, I drove down only because I had, like, my surfboard and stuff in my car. Normally, I would, I would ride my bike, I promise. But, uh, you know, driving down, it's, like, hot, and I'm, like, sweating, and I'm, like, you know, screw it. Like, I'm going I'm to feel it. You know, and that feeling of sweating and feeling your body function, like I, it sounds maybe kind of like gross or obnoxious to some people, but like if you can change your perspective on a little bit, on that a little bit, that's, that's the key. <laughs> you know, like that, yeah. that's the fountain of youth. If you can just change your perspective just a few notches over to the point that, you know, I really enjoy getting sweaty and dirty and walking up a hill. I don't know what it is, but I like it. Yeah, You know, it's like that person, they're winning, you know, and then you can go deeper and say, okay, cool, sweet. You've changed your perspective that you're winning and you want to go. Now, how do you go? Right now it's how do you, how, what kind of contact do you have with your feet as you step up the mountain? Right. Yeah. How, uh, what's your hip hinge? What's your gluteal engagement? You know, what's happening through your, throughout your spine, the facets, and you have like that long neutral spine. Are you able to stack your diaphragm? Right? Are you able to really open up all those systems? Oof, now, now we have the perfect storm of a human being. But too often people drive towards just one specific thing. 
I'm a, just a diaphragm guy. I'm all about the diaphragm. I know everything about the diaphragm. I, don't, I know nothing about the plantar fascia or anything in relation to the feet. Just diaphragm. <laughs> you know, well, that's like Western medicine mentality. That's it. You know, everything's separate. Let's compartmentalize all these things instead of looking at it as one system. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. So if we can start to figure that out of, uh, I mean, it's like the hero's journey. You know, that's something that gets talked a lot about in podcast land, like Joe Campbell. And, you know, the, 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 the process of you know, coming from those humble beginnings where modern culture is that humble beginning. We kind of like tear ourselves down through wearing backpacks and wearing sh- high-heeled shoes and sitting in class all day and kind of our creativity being stripped away from us, you know, and putting us into this like Victorian age, like learning how to be in a factory essentially. Yeah, That's learn, where learn we what I tell you. Don't, don't think for yourself. Don't think for yourself. That would fuck the whole thing up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. <laughs> and you're not going to work for me. <laughs> You know, and then from there, it's like, okay, how, what are, what are we going to do with this? You know, you can either just stay in that cog mentality or you can start to decide to break the confines of that, of that box that you were put in. And now you're going to deal with some pain probably, yeah. you know, but if you make it through that, then I think there's a lot of really goodness to be had, you know, but it's that process of like, do I just stay in the box and kind of like die in this measly kind of existence? Or am I willing to kind of go through you know, a, probably a couple decades of awkwardness? Yeah, that's <laughs> yeah. the work, right? That's you the know, work. That's the work for sure. <laughs> I wanted to ask you, um, when, when you saw me in California, we had, uh, you gave my wife and I a little clinic on some things that we could do to better ourselves. And one of the things you had me do was work on my posture and, and not just when I'm standing, but as I'm walking. And that's really helped me a lot. Cool. And I remember hearing somewhere about this, this like Wonder Woman pose <laughs> since Wonder Woman came out, but that strong, powerful pose that can actually boost like uh, neurotransmitter levels, hormone levels, things like that, just from standing a certain way. Yeah. Familiar with what I'm talking about? Yeah, absolutely. So what, do you, what, do you, what are some tips people can have for really improving like just their their movement pattern yeah well for one thing make your life a practice so right now you know technically we're kind of like at work in some weird strange way this is this is working away which is great um you know so i'm super grateful that's the way it is but we're in a meeting you could say Mm -hmm. right and the way that we're in this meeting is both of us are stretching out our hamstrings our adductors are kind of sitting in like a like a hamstring like classic kind of hamstring stretch right where you're sitting your butt down your feet are going out to the side and open up through the hamstrings open up through the groin and stacking our spine so the first thing is we got to figure out what those principles are right so what does it mean to stack your spine you know, so from the ground the ground is a nice place to start because it's simpler than from the feet it's sh- it's a shorter building Right, so the first thing is figuring out, find your sit bones. Everyone at home need, you need to know where your sit bones are, right? Or if you're in jeopardy, your ischial tuberosities and the little bony things coming out your butt cheeks. If you don't know where those are, you've very well probably been doing yourself a disservice through a good part of your life. You know, so reach back underneath and find those sit bones. Like everybody now, reach down and find those little bony things. And they're going to be about like an inch, you know, east and west of your, of your, of your, your, your bum hole there. And then reach under and pull those butt cheeks open. Like my concho. The concho, el concho. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Do you feel me have like a crisis mode of like what to call the anus? I'm like, fuck, the bung, bungholio? I don't know. <laughs> you know, so, re- so reach and grab those, those, those butt cheeks open there and make sure that you're on the front edge of those sit bones. Right? So anytime that you're sitting in a chair, sitting on the floor, sitting on a yoga block, sitting on the beach, you want to make sure as often as possible you're on the front edge of those sit bones. And what that does is it starts to, you'll feel your lumbar spine kind of create that little bit of a lumbar curve, lumbar being the, the bottom of the spine, the bottom five vertebrae there. And that sets the stage for a good strong stack through the rest of the body. Most people fall into this kind of like posteriorly tilted kind of like sad puppy dog position Mm -hmm. and if that's where you lie throughout the day you know the way that you sit throughout the day you're practicing like you had mentioned you know the the physiology of depression and your fact you're practicing the anatomy of disc herniation Mm. right so as you those those discs you can see the uh the vertebra that's actually they're a bit more wedge-shaped in those bottom five vertebra, the lumbar vertebra. And the reason, so f- the reason that is is because they're a wedge because it's built for a curve. And then as you go up through the thoracic and the cervical, they become more puck-shaped. 
right? Because then it gets a little bit longer and straighter-ish. It still has a curve, but that lumbar curve is really important to start the foundation. Yeah. That's where I'd start. From the feet up. Well, I just did from the butt feet, right? So I, I, you know, I jokingly call the ischial tuberosities, the sit bones, they're kind of like the feet of your ass. Okay. Right? The next level is figuring out your feet, right? And we can, so from the feet, it's figuring out one thing. A lot of people, they end up being a little bit too wide of a stance, and they end up allowing their toes to kind of drift out to the side. Mm-hmm. You know, so you imagine if your feet are kind of like race car tires, you want them to be going straight down the track. If you have one race car tire, it's kind of going out to the side. It's like you're, you're certainly not winning any races that way. You know, so starting off, bringing the feet facing straight ahead, and then try and get those feet underneath those sit bones that we discovered. And you'll start to feel weight kind of pour a little bit more along like the, the outside, the lateral edge of the foot that way, as opposed to most people are collapsed with that. Yeah. Collapse your feet. That puts stress on the plantar fascia. That puts stress on the knee, and it disengages the glutes. You disengage the glutes. Then all of a sudden, you aren't uh, able to support the lumbar spine the way you would because that gluteal tissue, that pelvic tissue, that's the foundation of support for the back. Yeah. That's an easy way to try to actively and consciously turn your ass back on, that's which it. is such a huge one. I mean, for years, I squatted. Even at ASU football, when I was squatting, I didn't have an ass. Because yeah. I was not engaging it. I didn't know how to turn it on. Right. And over time, through opening up my body, getting into jujitsu and things like that, I could feel my butt working again and actually firing again for the first time. Yeah. 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 So it's, it's, it's just having that aha moment. Another thing I'd recommend is, um, this isn't shameless, I promise, but get a band. Right, I didn't say shameless because I have a, I have a band. Oh, thing. We'll put, we'll, we got to plug the shit we out of that. Plug it's that amazing. Plug the no, shit out of it. No, I'm, I mean I'm joking. Serious. Like the, a band is really important. It doesn't need to be, be you know my band. It's just a band, you know. And having something it could be a belt. You could have you know your kids or somebody just press your knees against you know, each other all day, you know. But have something where you're able to have that feedback to push those knees outward and start to create that what's called you know the lateral rotators or. The muscles that push the knees out, it's in you know, your glute muscles amongst mm-hmm. other ones. But as you start to create that engagement pushing outward a little bit, it starts to reverse all those degenerative patterns. Yeah, so, so that would be a great place to start, you know, is just have some type of little resistance feedback kind of pressing your knees together and have something to push out against. Yeah. Just a start. And with, with toes forward, right? Because you're going to lose that if you have your feet out duct style. Yeah, yeah. So Kelly, Kelly Starr, you know Kelly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was my first, my first guest on the show. Perfect. Yeah, yeah. So Kelly, you know, he calls it, and this isn't just just his, but he's kind of popularized, you know, calling it creating torque in your hips, right? So if you could, you go look at your your hips, if you were to take your shirt and put like I have my right now, I have my knuckle inside of my shirt. I got an American Eagle shirt here, you know. I put put my my uh, my hand inside of my shirt there, and if I wanted to tighten this 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 capsule around my hand being the fabric of my shirt, I wouldn't, that tissue doesn't have contractile tissue so much, it just all of a sudden bear down and squeeze. What I can do though is I can twist my hand, right? If I twist my hand, all of a sudden I take all that slack out of the shirt. Well, that's the same thing in the head of your femur, right? So when the head of the femur relates into the joint there, if you just create a little torque through there, then all of a sudden it takes out all that slack. You take the slack out of the joint, it becomes a safe, powerful joint. You have slack there, it becomes a sloppy, dangerous joint. Yeah, it's kind of, I think a, a good example would be like in the push-up position, and Carl Paoli was talking about this, one of Kelly's guys yeah. uh, who wrote Freestyle. But when you do the push-up, if you think about, you know, fingers spread and your, your middle fingers pointing forward and then pulling the elbows in and acting mm-hmm. like you're turning your hands out, same what does thing. that do? It's the same thing, right? Yep. You have that torque, you pull it in, and then the shoulder's stable. And if yeah. you look at, like, fighting, you re- other than, like, world star, you're not going to see some guy throw this giant haymaker with his elbow way outside because yeah. they're losing power there. Yeah. If you watch anybody at the professional level, elbows are going to be in, and it's only going to turn out at the last second because that's what keeps the shoulder stable through the whole movement. Yeah. Right? Yeah, that last second allows it to whip, right? Mm-hmm. So it's, that, it's the balance between stability and fluidity, right? Yeah. So if you're always just stable, well, you're safe. 
you know, and so from a jujitsu perspective, that's like I got my ass whooped for years in jujitsu, and I would just be like, elbows in, you know, keep it tight. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and I have guys your size just fucking just murdering me. You're the guy that's holding somebody in guard for the whole five oh minutes. My God, You're not yeah. gonna break my lock. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, I'm like God. You know, and so, but when you're in those positions, you know, it, there is some value to being comfortable, like getting your ass whooped, and just knowing, like, well, at least I know how to be safe. Yeah, <laughs> you know, it, it's the people that just started training that it's just like they they'll like allow you to take their back or something, or they'll like reach an arm out for what you're just like, what are you doing? Yeah, you know, and they're putting they're they're offering you you this like this big you know pie of instability, and you're like, okay, thank you, I will take that. No, but if you can yeah. start to understand how do we stabilize these joints, you're safer for yourself with your movement around the world, and you're also safer if someone's you know, trying to take your arm off. Yeah, there's a lot of translation from from martial arts and different things like that, even from from yoga. I mean, I've was not big into yoga back in the day, but because of Natasha's influence on me, you know, it's been a, a huge thing for me. I absolutely love it. Yeah, and you can feel that like. You can do a downward dog incorrectly or you can do it correctly when you finally get into that position correctly. And I use that as an example because it's probably like white belt level yoga. It's just that feeling of, oh, shit, this is how it's supposed to feel. Right. You know, and really open up the body from there. Yeah. So what else you got? You got uh, – you have another package that you sell other than the – the band's the new one, right? But you started band's with. The new one. I'm letting go of the. So the, you're previous, go of the other one. Yeah, previously I was. I had a thing that was. It was. Uh, it was a foam roller and balls and band and all that. And I kind of actually disagree with the the necessity of that. You know, I I think that we can do better from a more minimalist okay. place. You know, and so now my perspective, you know, present day in 2017 is, a foam roller is great, but if you're traveling, I think you should have a water bottle. <laughs> you know, get yeah. like a heavy duty Nalgene bottle or something that's like, it's like, it's strong enough that you could roll your hips out or whatever it is that you want to do in it. You know, and then with the ball, it's like, I don't know, get a tennis ball, a cross ball, whatever it is. Like balls are everywhere. Yeah. Something cheap, something you know? small and light. Yeah. You know, and so, and so it just felt more honest to me because I had this thing that I was, that I was selling. And then what I would actually take with me when I went on my trips was just the band and the door anchor out of that. Oh no shit! So that's the evolution. <laughs> that that's is the evolution. Yeah, that's the evolution. I you know, like that. and so it's like, all right, well, fuck, and, you know, foam roller could be a water bottle, and there's foam rollers everywhere. It's like, but the band and the door anchor—that's the thing that nobody has that I think everybody should have. If you have a band hanging off of a door, you know, it ha and you can change the height of it and such, you can be decompressing your shoulder joint, you can be decompressing your spine, you can be opening up through your diaphragm, your hips, all that. You know, and then you can pop it out of the door, you know, and use it for as a you know as a yoga belt or as a just a exercise band. And then the last thing that's nice is it just you can see the freaking band hanging. If you can see it, you'll probably use it. Yeah, you know, and I think that's the important component for people is that we have, you just need your environment to be what you want to be, you know, and if if you put yourself into some type of mold that obviously isn't what you want to create good luck yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> you, know, you you need to start making little individual changes like look okay what is the optimal version of you know this creation that is me all right where do i start with my car where do i start with my house where do i start with the food in my fridge where do i start with the relationships that i have in my life you know and little like have like a you know just little visual cues like that that re-inspire like yes cool do a couple band decompressions. Do a couple pull-ups. You know, those little things I think really add up. Yeah, big time. That was something I think we talked about uh, when I was on your show was um, Pavel's concept of greasing the groove. Yeah. And I know I've, I don't want to beat this to a fucking dead horse, but it, it really stands out to me because you can apply it to everything. You can apply it to meditation, breath work, to movement, to push-ups, anything you want. If you don't think you have time, just do a little bit. And then when you have a little bit more time, do a little bit more and just keep trickling that in. And the body responds so well, mobility-wise, when you're trying to open things up. If you do sprinkle in a little bit over time rather than, oh, I'm going to smash the shit out of my hip right now and yeah. it's going to open up and then I'll be perfect for the rest of the day. It's like, well, not likely. Not if you're going to sit more. Not if you're going to get back into that position where you're locking everything into place, it might be better for you to stand up once an hour for a minute or two and open things up, yeah. you know? I noticed that a lot with relationships, too. You know, so, so 
it's it's sometimes I think people end up too often giving with the intention to receive, you know, and it's like, okay, cool, I'm I'm giving you this now, like, okay, I'm ready, you know. But if you can if you can get through that x amount of years or months or whatever in your life where you're just you're just generous just because it feels good. You know, and obviously you choose your generosity. I think it's important that if you're just like giving away your money to everyone you see, it's probably not the wisest decision. You know, but really just every time you're in a relationship, every time you you know, you're with someone, having kind of the mantra of I I'm going to leave this person, leave this place, leave this thing better than it was before I got there. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think if we have that long I was listening to Gander, you know Gary V, Gander, Gary Yeah, v, yeah, yeah. I was listening to a podcast with him recently. It's really good. He's got a lot of good stuff to say, that guy. And, um, you know, he's just talking about in relationships and life in general, this, this rule of being 51-49. You know, so his goal is to be, I want to give you 51% and receive 49%. I don't want to give you 90% and only receive 10%. Like, I want to be at the level, but I'd like to be a little, like, I'd rather just keep it with everyone, like, all of my, my fuel tanks with all my people, all my things, business, whatever, just a little bit fuller. Yeah. You know, and if you can do that, you might not see the change in a month or three months or whatever, but in two years and four years, all of a sudden you have this, this network, this tribe. You know, it's something that I've just been witnessing happen in my existence and, you know, friends and such. And I'm just kind of seeing like, oh, this community thing, this kind of vision of having strong community. It's like, it's, it's happening. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and it's oh, like, yeah. and it's, it's, it's a product of that, you know, just, just give, just give your shit away. You know, I think it relates to the body as well. Yeah. You know, if it's that aggregation. Yeah. If you give, put a little bit more time towards yourself. Yeah. That's something I, yeah, as a, as a parent now, and it's funny for people who don't have kids, it's like, oh God, this guy's talking about kids again. Yeah. <laughs> <But> for, <laughs> Show so, us pictures. So many people talk about. Uh, yeah, nobody cares about how cute your kid is. <laughs> Look at him, he's standing there. He's fucking His ugly. To the right I, I can't say time. it to your face, your I kid is it. ugly. No, your but, kid's not ugly. Your kid's legit, no, like, actually. Yeah, he's a good little <laughs> shit. But um, it's the idea that I don't have time. I forget who it was. Somebody posted this thing on Twitter, a poll of um, what's the number one priority in your life? Your health your kids, your job, and it just went down the list. And anyone who had kids said they were number one. But the truth is, in any relationship, if you don't give to yourself, it doesn't mean being greedy and selfish and, you know, I only have time for me and I don't have time for my kids. It's not that at all. But if you don't put into yourself and invest into your own well-being, you're not going to be as good of a partner or lover. You're not going to be as good of a dad or mom. You're not going to be as good of a, a worker, company man, or whatever it is that you do. If you don't invest in yourself first, yeah. right? Yeah, it's that the word responsible. I think is really rad. You know, like you're able to respond. You know, when you look around your reality, sometimes I get just really, really blown away with just the things that are in my world and the you know the the, the people or the just what the environment, whatever it is. But you really are responsible for everything that's there. You know, whether it's good or bad or whatever it may be, it's like it's it's your momentary choices that put you in that spot, you know. And so, like, the little things that that get me, especially if I'm, like, utilizing some cannabis or something like that, all of a sudden I start getting really meticulous about stuff, you know. And if there's, like, any little, like, <laughs> nicks in my surfboard or whatever, I'm like, oh, I need to sort that out. And right now you'll see my surfboard. There's, like, some nicks. I'm like, I, I, it's been on my mind. You know, but it's like all these little things, like the organization of like the direction of my shoes, and like a little OCD oh, super, on the cannabis. Super, super uh-huh. OCD. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's great, man. I think it's good medicine. I'm like, bring on the OCD. I think it's completely fine. You wake up with like a totally clean house, you know, and like your teeth are brushed, and you. <laughs> I'm like, I'll take that. Yeah, but I'm sure there's a lot of cannabis alcohol. users that are like, hey, it's not meth, bro. Right. It's not, it's, it's not quite on that level. <laughs> well, so I I end up from from there, I'll end up like getting really OCD about my connective tissue you know yeah. and, and so, so i get i get really ocd of like man this joint that's just kind of not quite what i want that's mother that's unacceptable you know like i need to sort this. i need to take care of myself yeah. you know and feeling in the connective tissue around my my cranium it's called a gallia aponeurotica if you're ever on jeopardy look it up gallia, gallia aponeurotica yeah right so but it says so i start feeling that connective tissue around my scalp and does it feel like it's tight and bound to my head? 
if it is, I got to sort that out. That's irresponsible, right? You know, if yeah. just feeling into all those. I have like you know a mace that I'll swing around and a kettlebell, and I have my bands hanging. I have gymnastic rings and all these, you know, really. I, you know, I was gonna call them silly, but I think really important tools. Tools for yeah. sure. You know, and I'll and I'll just start kind of like heat seeking, going through and trying to find components, parts of my body that feel disorganized. Right, you know, so you start off with your superficial peripheral environment, sort that out, right? You know, or sort your inside out. But you, I think it's they're they're reciprocal. Yeah. You know, so when you when you meet someone and their house is a wreck, you know, or their their life is is in shambles or whatever it is, look at their connective tissue. You know, look at the way that they hold their body. Look at the way that they move through the world. I haven't seen it yet. That I haven't seen some correlation, not necessarily like one to one, hundred percent, but there's always correlation there. You know, so it's I find that valuable. Yeah, little, big little time, yeah. big time. I get that way. You know, I I feel a deeper connection to my body with cannabis, unless it's like a late night cap, and I'm just so tired, I'm I'm gonna lay in bed and just really just sink into the sheets and and conk out. Yeah. But um. Certainly more with, with like a small dose of an edible, you know, like a five milligram or less, something like that. And then on a microdose of LSD, that's the thing that connects me to my body more than anything. It made me, like the first time I did that, I, I just started doing yoga in the backyard. I was like, oh shit, like I, my body was literally talking to me, like you're tight here. And I would know instantly just to get into a lunge and then lift my arm overhead and yeah. really start breathing through it and understanding like I could talk or think about that, like Arnold, the, the mind-muscle connection, you know, like really just drawing all my awareness to the spot that needed to get unglued. And yeah. just with breath work, it would vanish, you know, very quickly. Yeah, it's like uh, like an automatic reboot or cleanup on your computer. You know, it's like, how does the computer know just which files to take and which could be a virus and which, you know, it just you just press the button and just like, goes through and like, okay, go, we're done. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like in our bodies, we have that. <laughs> you know, we, we have access to all this information of how to work with ourselves. You know, it's just that we are wrapped up in the bullshit of the day, you know, wrapped up into, you know, what we think we are, or think we're supposed to be, or, the, or, you know, our bills, or our cell phone, or our girlfriend, or boyfriend, or, you know, all these stressors that just be, end up being turbulence, you know, or static, that pull us away from this, you know, the, the deeper kind of, like, clarity. You know, and I think that if those moments, what I what I find valuable with things like breath work or things like sex or things like psychedelics or things like anything that kind of just, it shakes your snow globe up for a period of, you know, minutes or hours or maybe days is it gives you that opportunity to start to just, uh, just reorganize. You know, it's like the storm of life passes for a second, you know, maybe you're just in the eye of the storm for a second. You can kind of see and Okay, well, let's rake up the yard a little bit and let's, you know, let's like, you know, yeah. put put some boards up on the show. Like we can kind of start to, because we have some space. But through the day-to-day hustle, I think too many people are just too busy. You know, and they wear busyness with like a, like a badge of honor where it's like, you know, it's like, oh, if I'm not busy, that means I'm lazy. And it's like, maybe if you're not busy, it means you have control of your life. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, there's yeah. different ways to view that. Yeah. Well, I think there, there, there is definitely a, a struggle, and I, I can speak from personal experience of just not being comfortable in my own skin. And with that, I would much rather put something in front of my face, anything, yeah. even if it's painful, that takes me away from being alone with myself. Right. You know? Totally. And I think a lot of people, uh, I think that applies to a lot of people, whether they can recognize it or not. You know, and then that's part of the work that we talked about is like when you do get quiet and you do become alone is recognizing the stuff that comes up. It's okay. Like whatever the fuck is coming to you, it's coming up because it's maybe something you haven't been paying attention to. You know, it's something that that's there and it's not going away until you address it and let go of it. Yeah. What do you find is helpful to get quiet? Honestly, I've, I'm trying to trickle that in, you know, in, in terms of, uh, you know, going back to greasing the groove. I talked a bit about uh, driving up to Spokane to do uh, Ben Greenfield. And um, it's, eight, you know, it's 18 hours in the car each direction. And normally when I drive, like we drove out here and I had Bear and Tasha with me. Um, 
you know, you're doing what you can to keep the little guy happy. So it's, it's not, you know, obviously he's strapped into a tiny ass chair the whole way. <laughs> you want to make sure that everyone's happy, but being alone in the car can be really useful time to digest information through podcasts or audible. You know, I, I listened to four books on that trip wow. and, um, but then also just turning it off, like having quiet time in the car can be huge where I'm not Jam it. It's, I listen to music. I fucking love music. And it's cool to jam out and like really feel like the positive energy you get from listening to music. But if you go from one thing to the next over and over again, you're never really giving yourself that space. So I, I've tried to make time in the car when I'm alone. Um, like when I go for these walks, Bear has a few words. He's talking a bit here and there. But for the most part, we can just walk in silence next to each other. You know, we're not having this full-blown conversation yet. That, that time will come. But for now, it's really easy for me to just do nasal breathing and really, you know, look at the scenery. You know, we're around a ton of mountains. We walk at sunset, so we often have these glorious fucking southwest sunsets that are just absolutely incredible. Mm. And just taking that in, you know. It's very easy to have quiet, like, to have that shift in my feeling if I'm in nature. You know, it's so easy to just pay attention to a tree or to the ocean or to a, a mountainside where you can see layers of sediment in it and just appreciate what you're looking at. Yeah. And that's kind of a very restorative way for me. That's maybe something that's different from my meditation practice or breathwork practice. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's amazing looking at, uh, I was at a friend's house a couple of days ago and we were talking about, um, movement and stuff, of course. And, and we, so we, we were, uh, I was pointing out, I was helping this, their like sister-in-law with like, okay, like what's st good standing? What's like good sitting and all that? You know, like, <laughs> how all do right, I stand right. up straight? I'm like, all right, all right, here we go. I'm gonna, we're going to break this shit down. You know, and then all of a sudden we look over at his, uh, at his kid and his kid's just over there in like a perfect lotus position. Doesn't think of it as a lotus position. He's just like legs crossed or whatever, just chilling. Mm -hmm. You know, he's just putting his body in what feels comfortable, you know, because he hasn't been polluted yet. You know, he hasn't been polluted by sitting in, you know, crappy chairs all day, just all the things that we already we already spoke of. You know, I wonder if, from your experience with uh, with Bear, is there anything that you've learned from from Bear from like a physical perspective? Just I uh, extreme jealousy and envy. Yeah, right. <laughs> I look at him like you little fucker. Right. Like he'll <laughs> just pop into the most beautiful ass to grass squat effortlessly and hang out. <laughs> you know, finger around some, some rocks and ants and whatnot. And it's yeah. like, God, man, that's how it's supposed to be. That's, that's how it. we're born. That's the tribe. That's how we're designed. And somewhere along the way, we mess that up, right? Through, through what is that? Uh, repetitive stress injury. Sitting is re repetitive stress injury. It yeah. really is. But, um, but he's, he's my reminder. So if I was to put a positive or the, the, the silver lining in that, it's when I see him, it rem and when I see you, like when we're at Paleo FX and, uh, you know, you're getting some strange looks and you're in this beautiful squat and it's super <laughs> wide and people are walking by and they don't see you because you're so damn low and not, you're taller than I am. So when you're down like that, it was just hilarious to watch. And, um, but you're, con you're constantly making that a practice like, oh, yeah. I need to open this up right now. Right. So when I see my son do that, I'm like, that's what it should be. And I'm not there yet. But I can be there if I do put in the work for it. Yeah, it's so not complicated. That's the thing. It's like it's like we get so we're like, oh man, if if life was just so easy that you could just like sit on the floor sometimes, you know, and like every once in a while do a sweat. It's like, dude, it is. Shut up. It is. Yeah, just it's do a, it. Right. <laughs> it's not. It. It's not that complicated. You know, it's just it's just a matter of. And I'm not telling you, Chuck, because you already do all that stuff, but. You know, it's like, it's like, oh, my, oh, my job, my job would never, it's like, well, maybe fucking quit. You know, like, may, like, this is your biology. This is your life. You know, it's like figuring out maybe don't quit right now, but maybe start changing your direction so that it's going to support your physiology. Yeah. I think that at the very least, don't sacrifice your health for anything. That's it. Don't That's sacrifice the your one. health for anything. Be healthy. Yeah. From there, build on top of that. Yeah. If you start somewhere else, good luck when you're 70. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and this is the thing when we're talking about with like the relationships and the fifty one forty nine. You know, if you go forty nine fifty one with your with your health, then it's gonna hurt in the future. Right? You know, so if you can come from that place of like, okay, I start with the foundation of my health. From there I put my, you know, fill in the blank thing, then you're you're good. 
You know, the, 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 as soon as you lose your health, that's when you realize that the health is all that matters. Right? As yeah, soon Paul, as your Paul, health goes my, away. One of my favorite quotes of all time, uh, Paul Check: sooner or later, your health will be your number one concern. Exactly. Sooner or later. Yeah. You can invest in it now. Or when you're on your deathbed, Dude. or they say they're going to amputate a foot, whatever the case may be, yeah. it will be your number one concern at one point, right? Yeah, absolutely. And some people get little titrates or little drops of that throughout their life, and that's a, a great gift. You know, the, the other day I was, I was out, we went to a baseball game. We went to, I got correct, I was on another podcast, and I, I misspoke on who the game was. I'm going to say correctly, it was the San Francisco Giants Versus, I don't know who the other team was. <laughs> the Padres. It was the Padres. It's hard for me to keep track. And so, uh, well, the Padres just moved. I think. Okay, the Padres. That's the same. I'm going to take a right? ton of shit. Is the San they, Diego? There's this. Oh no, it's the Chargers. There we go. See. Okay. I, yeah, thankfully, right. I corrected myself. So, yeah, I, I was just. Oh, you it. idiot! It yeah. was the Chargers that moved, not the Padres. Yeah, the girl I was. I, we went. We went together. She like heard a little bit of it, and she's like, "I got a text like immediately, like what the f." And I'm like, oh, <laughs> sorry, you know. But but afterwards, I was like, just you know, borderline getting arrested for jumping around on different gates and you know trying to balance down rails and doing parkour inside the stadium. I mean, the worst version of parkour. Like, like yeah, what, yeah. what drugs are, is this guy on? Yeah, no, exactly. <laughs> I'm like, no, I've just been sitting in a baseball game for two hours. Like, I got to take this thing off, you know. And, and I jumped out of a tree. And uh, just kind of, you know, it was like no big deal. Or from what I perceived as being no big deal, kind of like taller. I was definitely kind of second guessing. And I was like, oh, it'll be fine. And I come down and poof, I land. And I was like, poof, nailed that landing. Like, that was rad. At least it's great. And then all of a sudden, like 45 seconds later, I got this like visceral feeling that there was something that wasn't okay in my body. And it didn't, there wasn't any pain anywhere. But I was just like, Oh, there's something. I don't know what this is, but this there's something just got kind of shifted here. And all of a sudden I start feeling this little like spasm in my heel mm-hmm. and I'm like, "Oh, like not walking on my heel very well." And then I start thinking back into a friend rock climbing, shattered his calcaneus, which is the heel bone, like pulverized it. And he was out for a year or whatever. Yeah. And all of a sudden my whole body just goes, "Oh, I start getting like flush and like, "Oh my god. You know, did I just is that is that what I just did? You know, and it goes from me leading with kind of more like ego and like I'm s- strong and, you know, I can move better than anybody around. You guys are judging me, but I'm like, you know, climbing, you know, and like kind of like a little bit more ego driven, I think. And then all of a sudden you hurt the vehicle and whoosh, the ego, everything is, whoosh, it gets completely pulled off. Humbled immediately. Immediately. Yeah. You know, and it's, it's just like it's at some point that facade that you have will get set down. You know, and it's like the, the amount of preparation that you put in on a momentary basis of being comfortable with all the deeper layers of that, I think that that's the most important thing for sustainability. You know, but at it, it, some point throughout your life, throughout your existence, you'll lose the, the thing that you drive with. You know, not, and that's not to say like you'll lose your whole body, but you lose like the, the main whatever fits your personality, if it's your money, if it's your power, or if it's your, that you move really, really well and beautifully, at some point that could be taken away. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like, then where are you at? You know, so it's figuring out all of those different layers. And I think the way that you do that is, I mean, I don't, I don't know. I'm ask you rather. <laughs> well, we got to think about Hold it. On, I'm just here to say we got to think about it. I love it. We do have to think about it. I love it. That was great. You went right up, you went right up to the answer and then, no. I don't know. What would you do? I don't know. I mean, I don't know. I think everything that we're saying is what I would do. You know, this whole podcast, I would say, you know, like everything that's been said now, there's been no, I don't think there's any hard answers to anything. Anybody that's, it's like, you know, run from people that have answers and, well, there's, and there's people that have questions around. Many paths to one truth. Yeah. Right? So like even in the discussion of psychedelics, which a lot of people are going to be like, ah, I've never done that. I'm curious. Some people have done it. Some people have had good experiences or bad experiences. Oh, the whole gamut that comes with that, and then this idea that you can get everything we're talking about without that stuff. Yeah. So there are many paths there. I, in my personal experience, have had really incredible experiences that changed my life moving forward, taught me how to meditate better, have made me a better father, have made me a better partner to Natasha, and all that. So I, I do speak highly of them. Yeah. But yeah, there's there's certainly, it's definitely a part of the discussion. And uh, But there, you know, 
just treating yourself better on every level, it doesn't take that to realize that. I for have, me, it did, but for other people, it does not. I have one potential answer. Yes. Are you ready? Yes. <sighs> Drop in. I think uh, stay light. You know, so stay light with your materials, stay light in your bits or like, you know, business terms, like keep your business lean. You know, like if you have too many moving parts, then you have to have your vigilant attention there to operate the parts. You know, if you have too much material shit in your world, then you got to always be polishing the car and you always got to be, you know, repairing the thing or taking this into the shop and all that's costing money and that's a liability. You know, but if you limit your life down to, you know, like you're not going to be able to take anything away once you when when you know, when you go to the grave. Like everything yeah. everything you gets take, left. You take nothing with you. You take nothing with you. You know, so I have a, an inkling, inclination that that uh, the closer that we can stay to that place of of not being dependent on the materials that we have in our world and kind of just keep our lives quite lean, I think that's some of the best security that we can have. In a certain, in a certain like like a psychic way, like uh, just yeah, it's feeling much like, easier to ma- manage things mentally yeah, with less, right? Yeah. That minimalist, minimalist kind of idea yeah. of just living with less, getting more from less. Yeah, the the yeah. idea that you can you could just pick up, you know, if all of a sudden you and Natasha are like, hey, we're going to you know whatever Fiji next week, you want to go? And I'm like, oh man, like yeah, all right, I'm going, let's go. You know, to be in that place where it's like, yeah, we can go to Fiji, let's do it. You know, that's, I think that's a really big deal. If you can get to that point in your life where it doesn't need to be Fiji, it could be let's go to Cal, you know, Northern California. You know, but at that point in your life where it's like, no, I'm mobile. You know, I can, you know, at some point I'm going to die for sure, right? But I'm not carrying all this. Every material that I have in my life, I think, carries a certain degree of like psychic weight. Yeah. You know, so if I stay light in this life, I just, I stay more adaptable. You know, the heavier that my world becomes around me, the less adaptable I become. Yeah, you're personally. tied down. You're tied down to your space, and then you're limited to what you have locally as opposed to being, I guess, I guess it'd be like life flexibility. Life flexibility, man. Right? That's it. You know, so physical flexibility, life flexibility, business flexibility, relationship flexibility, it's all the same thing, right? So each one's allegory for the next. You know, and so the, I think that, you know, just keeping... Keeping your keeping your your uh, what's the your tablecloth clean, you know it's like if you got a bunch of mustard and ketchup and crap all over it, you don't really notice new stuff going on it, mm-hmm. you know. But every day it's a new practice. Every day you first thing you do you get out and you go sweep your porch, you know, and you go through and you take the trash out and you okay, we got a fresh slate. If I die right now, I don't you know my family doesn't come to like whoa my son was a fucking slob. <laughs> you know, like if I die right now, I just leave people, you know, whatever, a surfboard and some money. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like, cool, sick. Yeah. I was a good guy. Yeah. You know? Well, it's the lessons too. I'm sure there's, I mean, Gary V talked about this too with uh, when Mark Bell went up to do his, his um, the power cast. He flew to New York with him. And uh, he was talking a lot about kids. And one of the things he was talking about is how he manages his time is that he's, He's trying to build something, wealth, to give to them, right? But more important than that is the lessons that he leaves with them, the life lessons that he gives to them, right? And I think that sharing of knowledge that you give is fucking vastly more important than the surfboard and the cash that you have, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, so it's it's that, you know, so it's, it's leaving, I think, legacy is really, and this is something that you know, you and myself, and it's kind of like, I think, entering like a phase of life in a sense where it's like, what am I going to leave behind? Mm-hmm. You know, and I, I, I think I've heard, I wouldn't call this a definition, but I've, I've heard maybe Tony Robbins, somebody defining depression as being just focusing on yourself all the time. You know, if you're always just in this me, 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 it might feel that's the short term gain. Right, that's the forty-nine fifty-one instead of the fifty-one forty-nine. You know, it's like if you're always in that place of what can I get, what can I get, what can I get. You know, it's like it. it for a day, it feels okay because you got the thing, but long term, it's 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 pretty empty. Yeah. You know, it's something I'm working on myself. I mean, I'm I'm working on unwinding that. You know, and it, it's from a product of like coming from a place of scarcity. Yeah. And you know, like my background with like my dad smoking crack and stuff as a kid and like all these like really interesting things where it's like 
Really interesting. <laughs> Fucking interesting, man. You know where it's where it's super interesting. It's like, <laughs> his crack addiction was really his interesting. Crack addiction was <laughs> fascinating. <laughs> you know, but all those things that kind of you get instilled those little those little feelings or sensations that you know, like the world's not safe. You know, and how many people on a day to day basis are walking around this world leading with that perspective that the world's not safe. You know, and if we can kind of change that, you know, go, uh, Alan Watts is like the, that the headlights, they always face out, but they never look at the engine. You know, if there was some way that we can kind of start to tinker and kind of see what's happening under the hood, you know, that's, it's a big process. I don't have any answers. Self-discovery, man. That is, that is it. Yeah. It's not an answer. It's, it's a, it's a, it's a lifelong mission, yeah. right? Yeah. There's no, there's no finish line in the awakening process. There's no finish line to your health. There's no, like, you don't get to a point and you're like, I did it. I'm in perfect health. Now I can just sit back and retire from treating my body well or doing good things for myself or right. lifting weights or, you know, working on my mobility. Like, that just doesn't end. You know, yeah. it's like, like Kelly says, you brush your teeth every day. Yeah. You might shower every day, hopefully. Yeah, it's like there's, you know? no, there's no such thing as balance, just balancing. You know, or there's no such thing as a perfect square, a perfect circle. You know, it's, it's forever and ever and ever. It's, it's, it's if you can really enjoy the process of balancing and that just becomes, you just become enamored with that, you're good. Yeah. You found it. Hell yeah, <laughs> If you haven't, figure that out. You know, yeah. become enamored. You know, and then, you know, again... I See, I, I like what you just had there, and we can, we can, I think we can finish there because we're approaching the hour mark. But um, become enamored. Yeah. That's something that has driven me uh, since finding out I had a gluten intolerance and really like, oh, shit, like this, not eating a certain way makes me feel better. And then diving into that and then diving into supplements, diving into movement, diving into like all these little things that help us get more out of life. They're there for us, but we have to be curious. Yeah, because there's no one perfect way. There's no one size fits all diet. There's no perfect stretch. Like, hey, Aaron, you're a mobility expert. Tell everybody the single stretch that's going to work for everybody. Well, you, fucking one guy might have perfect hips, but his yeah. shoulders might be locked in place. You yeah. know, those kind of things. So figuring out what works for you, and that takes you know curiosity. That takes wanting to learn, wanting to dive into it. That's it. Hell yeah, brother. Thank you very much, my man. Dude, thanks I so appreciate much. it. Yeah. Hell yeah, dude. I'm so glad that you're doing this. Oh, wait, where can we find this fucking awesome device that I got here? And that would be www.aligntherapy.com. Aligntherapy.com. Yeah, so aligntherapy.com. And then on there as well, the really fun thing for people to jump on and, and check out is uh, I have a five-day, call it the five-day movement makeover, where we, where we go in and break down your home, break down your office, break down your, your, your work situation, whatever you may be doing day-to-day, and figure out how can you start to be moving more effective in all those, those situations. Perfect. You know, so situational movement awareness. And then breaking down fundamental foundational movement practices throughout the day. And just kind of like a little su- tidbit for people to get started with this little five-day five day thing to get going. So all that can be found at aligntherapy.com. That's awesome. And where can people get a hold of you online through Twitter, Facebook, Instagram? Align Podcast. Align yeah, so Align Podcast, which, which you've been on there as well, which that's like a super, I'm super stoked about that conversation. And um, so I'd recommend checking that conversation out with Kyle. Um, and yeah, that's my child. It's the podcast. So. I love it, man. And real quick, I'll give you one last, uh, one last plug. You know, when, whenever I go on a podcast as a guest, I always try to download a few episodes so I can hear kind of how the flow of the conversation goes, what, you know, who, who that I find interesting has been on that show and listen to that. And you're the only podcast to date where, I mean, it had a bucket list of guests that I want to have on my show and people I want to talk to. And, and, you know, as I mentioned to you before, face to face, I probably downloaded like 10 episodes right off the bat and just churned through them. I mean, there are, are many, many, many great, great people that you've had on there to share wisdom and knowledge with. And I really appreciate that. Yeah, man. It's an honor. Hell yeah, brother. Thank you, Aaron. Thank you, brother. Thank you guys for listening to the On It podcast. Really hope you enjoyed my man, Aaron Alexander. Check out his podcast, Align Podcast. It's absolutely phenomenal. He's had a wealth of great guests. I've been a guest on there back in the day. Uh, We dive into a lot different topics than we discuss on the show here. But um, yeah, man, he's, he's, he's had some great conversations with Dr. Chris Ryan and a number of amazing guests, uh, Paul Check as well. So be sure to check out his podcast. And if you love this show, please leave us a five-star review. It really helps spread the word and get other people to see it. And uh, thanks for tuning in.
All right, fam. Today, I want to talk to you about krill oil. Because if you're like me, you love eating foods that are high in omega-6 fatty acids. That includes all of the nuts, from cashews, almonds, walnuts, so much of the vegetable oils and nuts and seeds and everything that we enjoy eating, even in a healthy diet, is high in omega-6 fatty acids. The problem with that is that if you don't balance it out with enough omega-3 fatty acids, you're going to have systemic inflammation. And that inflammation is going to make you tired. It's going to give you brain fog. It's going to decrease your motivation to work out in the gym. So supplementing with some omega-3 sources is a really smart idea. Now, one way to do that is to eat things like chia seeds, eat oily fish, and I highly recommend that. But as far as supplementation is concerned, the absolute hands-down best way to do that is to get yourself some krill oil. Now, krill has some advantages over fish oil in that krill naturally has a compound called astaxanthin that keeps the krill super fresh and so prevents it from going rancid. It also has a really favorable ratio of the omega-3 fatty acids, and it's harvested completely sustainably from these tiny little squid-like creatures in the pristine Arctic oceans. So check out our krill oil. It's from the best source in the world that we can find, and it really will make a difference in your joint health, skin health, just overall feeling like you're on top of your game. Krill is just one of those essential products. Fish oil is great too. We have that in our joint oil product and you can definitely explore that. That's another great way to go about it. But there's really something special about krill oil. So definitely check that out if you're interested and especially check that out if you eat a lot of nut butter like me.